We are recording, and we've got Kathleen Mula. <laughs> Kathleen Mula. <laughs> right, and you are residing in Montreal, correct? Yes, I am. I'm in Montreal, Quebec. And you were saying earlier, as we were getting um, just sort of acquainted, that you were from a really small town in Ontario. Whereabouts was that? I am from Belleville, actually. So uh, it's about 45 minutes. Uh, well, it's right in between Kingston and Toronto. Um, it's right beside the Tantanaga uh, Native Reserve. So um, I live there, but I'm actually originally, originally from Trenton, Ontario. So that's where kind of, that's the biggest uh, military base uh, for Canada. So it's a very small community, though. There's about 15,000 people there now. And then my, my family gradually moved into Belleville. So right next door. So you're a military rat? Not even a <laughs> uh, very long story, but uh, to keep it simple, my parents had like a little um, motel business on the Bay of Quinney and we did, uh, we rented ice, ice, ice huts out and we had um, gardens and like grew flowers and sold that, did that kind of stuff. So basically a sustainable regenerative community before it was cool. Ooh, I want to say that, um, but my dad was from a very older generation and had no concept of environmental things. So my parents actually burnt, used to burn garbage when I was younger, which probably <laughs> directed the way that I um, became growing up a lot more environmentally conscious. And actually, we see that a lot with conservation is, you know, or with a lot of different walks of life is like kids will grow up watching their parents do one thing and then they, they focus their life going in the other direction. And I've yeah. had a lot of chats with um, some staff about that just on long drives or getting set up for presentations, you know, and, and I get quite frustrated with them. Um, people that really don't contribute anything to society when we live in a country like Canada and we have all these securities and, you know, healthcare and everything, and they kind of just tap out and get quite entitled. And they're like, well, maybe they're raising good kids. <laughs> and that seems yeah. kind of bad. They're like, well, maybe, you know, maybe that's their contribution. And like, I don't know about that. But I guess yeah, sometimes that happens. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it's the opposite. It's really difficult actually to, I think, identify trends in that because it's so different. So I guess um, we might as well tell everyone why, how we even connected. Um, so <laughs> you uh, are personally involved with uh, waste plastic, um, just locally as a concerned citizen, but you also work for a charity in Canada called um, Trans Canada Trail. Yeah, I do. Um, home base is in Montreal, but we uh, coordinate um, trail development across the country. So we support really uh, local organization or local trail groups, essentially, to um, encourage people to get outside and use trail networks instead of using um, cars if they can or transportation. So really, you're essentially um, like a kind of a parent. And then all the, this Trans Canada Trail that links up is all independently run organizations that you support. Um, yeah, kind of. So uh, parent, yes, I would say that. Um, and then we kind of, a lot of the trail groups, some of them are volunteer based, but sometimes we're working um, with municipalities or uh, other volunteer committees that um, uh, they essentially apply for funding through Trans Canada Trail and then we would uh, support their trail development initiative. So we are a parent in that sense, but um, it's actually the, the local groups that uh, are responsible for the maintenance of the trail groups, uh, the trail sections themselves. Nice one. So there's a little bit of similarities there because like with Plastic Oceans, I only took over a year ago and it's such a young charity that and that only really started with the movie of Plastic Ocean is we're really just an information share, you know, and like the whole run against plastic this year. Yeah, we were going to be um, hosting some pop up cleanups, but always with a partner organization. And the intention was to really shine a light and tell the story. And that's why we're doing the interview series now is of who's on the ground locally and who can maintain that. 
instead of attempting to hold an office or even portray the image of that we're everywhere across Canada. <laughs> we called it Canada's largest consolidated cleanup in history for the Renegades Plastic because it was going to be through the efforts of everyone we met along the way. Absolutely. Uh, and I think it's a really nice model because it, you know, there are a lot of great people um, all over the world, as we know, because we were just talking about your travels as well. But, um, you know, in Canada, we've got such a great network, um, whatever the topic is. And, and I think trails, when we have, you know, beautiful Canada, we're known worldwide of having this amazing nature that um, to have that trail system is essential and part of our country. Yeah, yeah, so, it's, it's great. Do they link up with um, national and provincial parks at all? Or do you guys have collaboration there? Um, we do actually, we, uh, on an independent, like an individual level, we have lots of different partnerships, but also with, uh, we work um, pretty closely with Parks Canada. We have a really strong relationship with them and, um, we're always, always looking for opportunities, uh, to give people a different kind of experience in the parks through our trails, but also, um, you know, to support those conservation initiatives uh, and making sure that people have a respectable relationship with them, not just in access, but one that doesn't detriment or, or further um, cause damage to some of these uh, really precious and in a lot of cases, unique uh, spaces. So we do work with them a lot and we have a very strong relationship with them. So this network actually goes from coast to coast, right? Or coast to coast to coast. Yeah, we got stuff in all the territories and all the provinces. Um, it's pretty inspiring. You, it's through rural areas, through um, wilderness areas, through the cities. Uh, I'm because I live in the city. I'm a I'm a, a pretty active rollerblader, so I rely a lot on. Uh, Part of me. You're still rollerblading in 2020. Uh, I mean, I think there's a resurgence. Maybe I'm just too much of like a hipster millennial, but I do think there's a resurgence resurgence in rollerblades. It's um, I've had to take a break from it recently because of uh, like some hip problems, but um, it's also a little bit risky in Montreal. There, the the um, the stereotype of us having a lot of potholes in the roads is not a joke. <laughs> so um, I always keeping my eyes peeled for those. But uh, there's the city of Montreal is great in that it's it's really invested. Actually, provincially, um, they they have a policy in place uh, to support um, sustainable transportation either through uh, like uh, transport collectif. I don't know. I can't think of the. <laughs> the translation for that right now, but either through um, city, like municipal transport or through active transportation. So that's something we're really seeing is supporting um, or like preventing urban uh, urban sprawl, which is really important, especially for cities like Montreal, where you, we're on an island, so you can't just um, develop indefinitely. And so I rely on those networks a lot and uh, TransCanada Trail definitely contributes to uh, maintaining and, and further uh, expanding those networks across the country, which is great. Nice. Yeah. And I mean, we're actually seeing that in Tofino, we're getting a multi-use path from Tofino to Uculet. So all the way to like the national park. Um, and there's obviously like, there's two sides to every story and then there's the truth, um, <laughs> which is one of my favorite lines from everything. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, we've, we've always had a really good path. Um, I moved out here 20 years ago and, um, and we had a good path just at least kind of by the prevent or the, the national park border all the way to town but now they're actually extending that all the way to yuki which is really cool because um yeah i mean i think it's going to reduce a lot of people's footprint because they come out to here to see pacific rim national park so now they can actually yeah propel all the way through it <clears throat> yeah that, um, that aren't into that i mean there's there's little electric bikes and even electric skateboards we're seeing everywhere so people can just actually go on a tiki tour exactly it's wonderful 
Yeah. Um, so is the job is what brought you to Montreal or? Uh, no, actually school is what brought me from, brought me to Montreal. I, I uh, moved away to Quebec for um, studies at Bishops and I spent um, uh, eight years approximately in the Eastern Townships, which is definitely one of my favorite places in the country. Um, but then I uh, went to Montreal to study at University of Montreal um, and I'm doing graduate studies in sustainable development. So uh, it was always a life goal of mine to study in French and I'm trying to do that now. It's my second language, but um, it's been really, uh, it's brought me to some really cool places and taught me a lot. So it's been a great experience so far. That's actually my one thing I'm doing in lockdown at the moment is I'm on Duolingo, I'm brushing. Si jamais tu veux pratiquer, ça me dérangerait pas. You know, if you want to, you want to practice your French, I'll, I'll hook you up with some, some good resources. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I've got to get through Duolingo, and it's now it's starting to get hard. And that's, that's, <laughs> that's not fun. <laughs> day where I actually didn't get to complete my whole circuit um, was yesterday, so I'm a little bit bummed, and I've got to actually start paying attention. <laughs> it's weird though because like I was that <laughs> random kid who like in, in high school or through, all through school being Canadian, they, they tell you that you got to learn French, right? We're a bilingual mm -hmm. country and now I totally get it. And I wish I, I mean, yeah. I wish my parents actually put me in French immersion. I even did back then, but they, in high school, they're like, okay, well you have a choice. You can take Spanish or French. And I was that kid that was like, well, you told me I have to take French, so I'm going to take Spanish. And Obviously. <laughs> it's, it's ingrained in my blood, but um, then I ended up living, I've spent more time in French countries and, and probably English speaking countries in my adult life. Um, so all of a sudden I found myself in French Polynesia, which is my idea of, of heaven <laughs> and spent six years there. And ever since I left working in conservation, I've just wanted to be back there. But um, yeah, so now I'm like, all right, Duolingo. <laughs> might want to get get that a little bit brushed up because that's my apocalypse plan is escape <laughs> to French Polynesia. Get back down to my boat, which is in Fiji right now, and just get upwind as quick as possible and lock down for the remainder until everything falls apart. There's uh, no fool. There's no. Uh, there's no issue with that, except some of the French might come in handy. <laughs> yeah, but um. You know, it's it's interesting, like, and I did learn quite a bit there. So when I actually lived there, I could hold a conversation. I could read the newspaper. Um, Amazing. It has been about five or six years since I left. And, um, and yeah, so it just goes away. So really the point is now to try to bring it back up and then get further. But everyone wants to practice their English, and especially locals, right? Like, you find, yeah. things, um, you know, you spend a lot of time sitting at the beach or on a boat or out in the waves, and they want to try their English, and you try your French, and then they're very patient. I mean, the, the French people are not so much. <laughs> I mean, they kind of were like, why do you, what's with your accent? I'm like, I don't know. I learned it yeah. here. And, and they're like, oh, because you sound like a Tahitian. I was like, yeah, I'm not trying. That's the way <laughs> I learned the language <laughs> was speaking to Tahitians. So that's by accent. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you um, on waste plastic stuff. I mean, you work for Trans Canada Trail, but the thing is, uh, when we started talking, you reached out and you're actually supporting our organization to go out and yeah. through a small grant that um, you were able to source. Um, but let's kind of we started talking about other things that you do. So um, you're quite involved in is it plogging or is it just more general cleanup around? Ooh, yeah, I uh, I have to say I've never really gotten into um, the running. Running is not <laughs> rollerblading, not running. Let's not confuse those two R words. Um, but yeah, I you know it 
a long, back in, I guess it would have been high school. I was working at a, a local ice cream parlor. And I think I mentioned this to you the first time we chatted, but I started tracking, like for a high school project, I started tracking the amount of waste, uh, plastic in particular that we were throwing out. Um, and I wrote a letter to uh, my mayor asking if we could improve our recycling services. So this was like more than 15 years ago. And, um, you know, I think in, so you were buying the waste plastic at your ice cream parlor 15 years ago because you knew it had a footprint and it had to go somewhere. Yeah, um, and it, it's weird because when I was younger, as I mentioned, my parents used to burn garbage. So we just didn't really see a whole lot of it because obviously we incinerated it, which is, I mean, criticized in a lot of ways, but um, you, you see kind of the, the catch, I guess, in these different situations. So we don't do that kind of thing in Quebec, but when you're in a, a metropolitan area like this, it's just, um, it's very apparent how these, this particular, I guess you can call it resource accumulates, right? Um, you get big pieces and you get small pieces, but um, it essentially just breaks down into smaller and smaller and smaller. And it became really concerning to me because I, uh, years ago, I just started noticing that plastic was everywhere, like virtually everywhere. It's, it's in our clothes, it's uh, around our food, it's um, the way that we cover ourselves up. It's, uh, it's just concerning. Um, and so I really started uh, looking into it a lot more and um, collecting it or picking up trash seems like the easiest way to make a difference besides trying to reduce it on a consumption level. I think that that's kind of the first stage uh, within the waste uh, within the waste hierarchy that we should focus on. But unfortunately, government is not at that point right now. And so, um, you know, the city of Montreal, though, I, I definitely got to give them kudos because uh, they organize and provide resources for uh, grassroots movements every single year to organize um, community-based cleanups. And last year, yeah, so the government provides, um, they'll provide you gloves, they'll provide you bags, they'll provide you, you essentially set it up on this like online platform and then anyone can sign up for it. They're called Gancove. And um, long story short, pardon? Can you send me the link? So in the description of this, when we post yeah, absolutely. it, if anyone wants to access that, because I mean, the Great Canadian Shoreline Cleanup is an, is an insanely good resource, right? So for any cleanup, mm -hmm. people can sign up to the Shoreline Cleanup and, and they usually have available links for wherever you are in Canada. Um, but the, that, that's great for any listeners, especially in, um, in your province. Uh, if they know where they can get all these tools, they can just get out there and do something, all right? Definitely. Do you want me to send that now or afterwards? Uh, might as well just send it after. Um, okay, and what I'll, do, I'll just put the link in um, in the description. So if anyone actually watches even this part, <laughs> they can, and I'll, I'll just put a little call to action and be like, do you want to get involved? Maybe that just, uh, I guess, incite some action. So yeah, yeah, getting back to it, then the province um, offers great resources so people can sign up, they can get their, their tools, and they can just basically go out and do a self-cleanup. It doesn't need to be a huge, and that's what I like. I mean, personally, I don't, I don't like cleanups because I mean, it, you're picking up other people's trash and you can get disheartened to me like, well, why is this even here in the first place? Yeah. But, I mean, the amount of cleanups I've been involved in and trash that I've personally picked up is ridiculous. And for someone that doesn't like cleanups, you know, but, um, <laughs> you know, I think that's, that's a great message. Um, so about six years ago, when I first started getting into waste plastics, I was working on um, social enterprise stuff, like um, trying to do a closed loop to peril line in developing countries, gasifying to alternative fuels. But we teamed up um, with Take Three in, um, in Australia, and we did a tour from Brisbane down to Sydney with like 45 events. And um, Take Three is just like, uh, it's the, the idea is that you just pick up three pieces of rubbish every time you, you walk. So easy. Or um, at the beach in Australia, like they, they got 
um, to the waste plastic thing a lot quicker than Canada. Cause even at that time, all of my, all my friends and family in Canada were like, well, no one, like no one cares about waste plastic in the waterways. Cause you know, we've got great recycling. Now that curtain's been pulled back and everyone's yeah. pulled up over the last couple of years, but it's such a great message. And I think that's why take three has been so successful. And, and obviously they create other resources and great calls to action and education programs for schools now, but they started with just that simple, you can go and do something. If you don't like it, just go out and be part of the solution. Even if it's just one day. But yeah. yeah. And that's the thing. I think sometimes people get um, overwhelmed with the idea that like you need to go out, like it ne you need to clean up an entire street or you need, you know, sometimes I do that. I go out and I'm like, man, I don't know, you know, I'll pick up two bags of garbage and I'm like, holy smokes. And it's particularly overwhelming. I would say in spring, but it doesn't need to be that way. Right. Anybody can be walking to or from work or, and, and, you know, see a couple things. And I always tell my friends that want to do it. Like, I just don't, pick up things that will, um, that are compostable. Like if it's paper or it's something that will biodegrade, like I just leave it and I really try and focus on the things that are contaminating our waterways principally, or even just preventing, um, uh, like sewage systems really from functioning. Right. Because when those bags and stuff get onto grates in the city, then you just, that's where you see a lot of flooding in Montreal in particular has seen like some pretty, um, horrible flooding in the past couple of years and people often aren't thinking about how plastic is contributing to that unfortunately and it's really interesting because i was so i was just setting up tomorrow's interview with a colleague from fiji and um we went through the like, the plastic bag levy um, program together he actually set up a lot of um that because he worked okay. for iucn at the time and um people and there's a massive uh, indian culture there um long story on that won't get into it but um they started as slaves and now own the whole economic sector of the country because they worked <laughs> but um a lot of them were saying during these meetings and as we were trying to get something going as far as a bag levy not even banning the bag this was just simply about like if you attack the consumer and say you've got to pay for this then it's not going to be an item you know and then it'll reduce um the, the footprint of plastic bags in the country and we used India as a proof of concept because India is like well there's no way that we can ban these because everyone's so poor and they need these um these um convenience items to get their groceries home but the thing is India flooded all the time and that's where yeah. you know, when you're talking about um, plastic bags and grates and everything is they actually had to ban plastic bags in um, these massive cities in India because they were literally flooding because everyone was just throwing them away and you've got yeah. these billions of people um, just chucking plastic bags everywhere and then they clog the drains and whatever there's no there's no drainage and all of a sudden they're like well the actual problem wasn't necessarily the weather that we built our cities around it's because of this convenience item exactly um, it was, it's the, the same situation in Rwanda. Actually, Rwanda was um, one of the first countries and to successfully ban not just plastic bags, but they literally banned, I think in 2007, like wrappers that were plastic. When you go into the country, they will go through your suitcases and confiscate it. Um, and not just in like a coercive kind of way, but they've actually um, encouraged citizens to, you know, talk to their to their colleagues um, and their peers and their community members to advocate against plastic. So you can get fined um, some pretty heavy penalties if you're caught using it. Uh, but they were experiencing very similar problems, essentially, particularly for agriculture, right? Because it's a landlocked country and people were just throwing these bags into the ground and they were finding that their lands were less and less um, productive because they, they couldn't grow anything, right? Plants just don't go through plastic. Things weren't biodegrading. So you see these feedback loops um, when you don't uh, steward the land properly in that sense, 
or pick up trash, then you can see a lot of kind of um, indirect consequences that can cause even bigger problems. And I mean, that's the thing with waste plastics is it's such a rabbit hole once you get down and then it gets yeah. for some people. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but I think that we can learn a lot from these other countries because we've had the, you know, these blinders on that we've got waste management and we've got recycling infrastructure. And, and until China actually refused the world's garbage a couple of years ago and we started seeing as as our country started like scrambling for alternatives um, and that curtain did get pulled back that, you know, like these countries that are, are operating on less and their citizens are like really require, you know, whether it's agriculture or they're living, they actually are farmers and such and plastic was affecting the crops or drainage and their flooding and such that we can learn a lot from them. And it all comes down to minimization, you know, so really the first part, like, you know, predominant nowadays is refuse, you know, it's like, Absolutely. do we need that, <laughs> you know? And yeah. then great, like we've actually got alternatives coming out and, you know, it's, it's an emerging industry. I'm not sure anyone's really hit the nail on the head yet with compostable alternatives to plastics because of yeah. another rabbit hole. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, I, I was going to get into some of the photos that you shared. Um, so what I'm going to do is screen share and hopefully there's nothing incriminating on my desktop. And the good thing is <laughs> there is. Um, so, you, so some of these that you showed me of the, the bins, is this um, through some support that your province set up? Um, like i'm gonna pull this one up it's just opening there we go so was this just yourself or was this through like um what the province offered you as far as like getting supplies um actually no this is uh this is just my personal initiatives um last year i participated in a couple of the the city ones i don't know if they run it at a provincial level but um montreal does a great job giving these re resources and i again i'll share that link later but um this is uh right around the corner from um where i live so i'm really trying to do like a street a day which is um, seems like it's not a lot, but it, in the spring, you know, when all the snow melts and we get lots of snow here, um, which is probably different than out in, in Tofino, but when the snow melts, um, you just see kind of the consequences of, of some of the poor um, city infrastructure systems that we have in place because unfortunately garbage bags get run over by snow plows or they're dumping garbage and then it gets buried by snow so you don't see it. Um, so the spring melts um, and the songbirds really shine light on um, some of the things that we can do to improve. But but this is personal initiatives. I, as I mentioned, I'm trying to reduce my own waste. So I just have like, excuse my French, but a shit ton of uh, garbage bags or plastic bags that um, I was using for recycling, but I just have really tried to reduce in general my waste. And that's from around the corner. This garbage picker that I have is a great investment. It's like $4 at your local hardware store. And I think it's actually for like people that work in stores to like grab cans of you know, soup from the top shelf, but um, I use it to pick up garbage. It's a great workout for your arm muscles and uh, it, it keeps things, um, particularly in these precarious times, uh, sanitary and um, it's easier on your back as well. So just a casual couple tools really that you need and a fanny pack, of course, to put more plastic bags in to collect garbage. <laughs> So you're walking around, or not walking around, you're rollerblading around in a fanny pack <laughs> with a garbage picker upper um, with a bunch of garbage bags. That I mean, hey, yeah. we need <laughs> in, this, in this world. And, I mean, Pretty this, fun. This actually brings up a couple of things, because I think we talked about this on the phone, um, but, you know, we... And when we had to pivot off of the run against plastic and one of the reasons that Andy's so set on getting out in a couple of weeks and we're definitely going to assess everything and as we're watching everything evolve, but 
um, was, was the melt off that you just talked about. But, um, you know, we were kind of promoting people still getting out there um, during this time and doing a cleanup if they feel like it's safe. And, and, you know, there's a lot of different opinions right now. There's some drains that you were talking about and showing how everything really, this is a really good photo showing how everything does end up in the ocean at some point, right? People think, yeah. that, you know, we get a lot of kickback from people in Alberta being like, Oh, no oceans around here. And like, ah, well, there's like, <laughs> there's 38 rivers <laughs> and however many lakes like that everything, the ocean's downhill from everywhere. Right. Uh, to borrow yeah. from or up you know people are downstream or upstream and either way you're connected by water in some way so but through your tools i mean just your gloves and that garbage picker upper which you can get at any dollar store hardware store i know yeah. i've gone strip a dollar store like multiple times running in me like oh well people are gonna want to stay sanitary but people can still take this time while we're social distancing and get out and actually still do a cleanup and keep themselves safe um, during this time um, because of just a couple of really quick items that don't cost a lot of money, you know, I mean, exactly. Uh, and is that something that, you know, working with trails, working with conservation and also being a concerned citizen that you still feel is something that we could advocate of um, just doing your part and using the extra time that we've got now to kind of go out and try to clean up Canada? Yeah, I mean, I think it really, of course, it's it's what uh, people feel most comfortable with. Um, but I, if there's anything um, that will prevent cabin fever, it's getting outdoors and seeing the trees bloom and hearing the birds, um, you know, sing their, their spring sonnets. And I think that, if anything, that's motivation for people uh, to be taking care of the planet. Because while we're stuck indoors, you see the life is still moving on um, and moving forward for a lot of other species, whether or not we want to be part of that or not. But it's a really cool way kind of just to like get back in touch with yourself, I think, and do um, pay it forward for yourself, for your neighbors. I've had lots of people be like, I do work for the city. Like, thank you so much. And it's, you know, it's, it's um, not to get recognition. accent that you just checked on. Pardon? We're laughing at the accent you just checked on. Yeah, I mean, that was pretty Canadian, I guess, but um, fair enough. Good old Canadians. So, I mean, I think people appreciate it. And uh, again, it's, it depends on your comfort level, but um, the premier of François Legault in Quebec is seeing walking out on the streets. And I think what people are still saying, if you can't get in groups um, and you're respecting social distancing, distancing that means keeping six feet or more apart and you can go outside and you can do this with a partner you can do this with a friend yeah. um and you can you know people are also getting like lawn chairs and sitting in circles with six feet apart of each other so if you're comfortable doing that i definitely um encourage people to get outdoors and just rediscover essentially the cities uh the streets that you live in and the, the woods that you live by that you don't necessarily pay attention to it gives you a really good insight into things you're missing on a regular basis because we're caught up in a busy life right so it's a good way to slow it down a bit yeah if anything I, I mean one of the first things as we started to see like big groups shutting down and i said to a bunch of people was like well i'm hoping this time just actually offers everyone a chance to take a step back and reassess or reconnect and then very quickly i mean by the hour things were changing um that you know social distancing became like basically mandatory and yeah. We started, sh I mean, Tofino shut down, I think, two days later, as far as, like, we asked everyone to leave, and no one, people did not even come, and then everything else started following, but, um, but yeah, right now, just a simple pleasure, if everyone's getting cabin fever, just a picker-upper, a set of gloves, and a bag, and just go for a quick walk, and, and it can be quite confronting, and 
you know, it's something that we can all do, but you also start to realize like what these throwaway items are and, and um, maybe makes you think about what your footprint is. And, and we're actually recording our, our personal workshop where everyone can do from home. It was one of the events we were supposed to do across Canada and actually engage with community members, but that's not going to be possibility anymore. So we're recording it um, similar to like this. And, and that'll be a live free resource where, you know, you can go and do a cleanup, come home, press play on that. You know, you can watch a couple of great produced videos from our international side um, that are conversation starters and just get the brain ticking. And hopefully when we come out the other side, everyone has reassessed <laughs> our convenience culture and our yeah. intelligence and um, we can try to find a better balance. So we don't see these sorts of things um, take over anymore. Yeah, I think that's that's definitely the next step, and hopefully that will be one of the. I mean, I think there are there in this in these uncertain times there are some um, things that are, as I mentioned, uncertain. But I do think that's one of the the positives coming out of it is people, you know, are sitting in their houses and they're looking around at the things that they have that they don't necessarily um, use, and we see that there's a problem with recycling. And I think the next step is really to go to um, reduce and at the at the source and so hopefully initiatives like walking around your streets and picking up trash when you can uh, will have an impact in helping people understand why this is important. Yeah exactly so as far as the trail system have you noticed anything is everything closing or or the Trans Canada trail system is are all of those still open and people if they live at least close by enough they can go for a walk still in nature or have you noticed that through this, um, some of them are starting to say, maybe we should actually close those down? Yeah, I think that's really, um, I think that's uh, kind of controlled at a, a very individual basis, depending again on the, the municipality or the province. I did see something shared this morning on LinkedIn about um, Parks Canada um, closing some centers. I'd have to follow up with the link that I, I saw that on, but um, I really, I'm not sure the way in which that it's um, controlled. The trail in general, um, as I mentioned earlier, we're kind of, we're, <clears throat> it's the individual trail groups that kind of oversee the management. So it would really depend on the, the local municipality. And I would just encourage everyone to to go onto their um, go onto the internet if they can, or make a phone call and see what's uh, what's open and what's not. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's that's the thing is it's going to be different in every area. But um, I guess I'd encourage everyone to get onto your website <laughs> and <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> put a trail that might be close by, and then next step would be see if it's still open. Um, and you know, it's we were talking to our, our partner that was actually going to see our friend Andy run off the line in, in Newfoundland. He's a big runner and he said one of his favorite trails actually borders a landfill. So what we're talking about and how these things coincide is like, you know, this is one of the, the main running trails in St. John's, Newfoundland, and a landfill is constantly just blowing onto it. Um, so you got all these people that are going out trying to enjoy nature and stay healthy and active. And then on the other side is the ocean. So wow. it all only thing separating that landfill from that, that waste going into the ocean was a nature trail. So it's, that's the thing is getting outside during this time while we've not got um, anything else to do. People can kind of open their eyes a little bit, take a look around. I know, um, as you mentioned, um, Parks Canada is shutting some things down and Pacific Rim has been shut down. Um, uh, last week was essential services. So, you know, like all the toilets and water was turned off and garbage bins locked up. But a few days ago, they did close the gates to all the parking lots and Okay. I'm going to be honest, I still walked through the gates to go surfing. At I won't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been raining since, so we haven't been out there. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, I guess 
we'll keep it nice and short. Um, it was great to connect just from somebody that's, you know, has personal initiatives and it's something simple you can get out in, in your own city, in your own backyard. Also, someone that's involved with, you know, basically celebrating and sharing information of how people can go outside and enjoy Canada. So we'll chuck those links up in there in the description of this video um, if anyone wants to get involved. Uh, and if you can send me maybe just a quick little bio. Absolutely. Uh, and then we'll have that there. And you don't have to have any personal contact information if you don't want a bunch of random stalkers from YouTube. <laughs> but we can put it there. Um, okay, okay. <laughs> reconnecting on Sunday. And um, we, I guess we, don't all, we all don't have too much to do right now. But um, yeah, really appreciate it. And hopefully um, we can get some, some people headed over to that website and getting out there while we can. Because hopefully once we see the other side of this, we're still going to be able to travel around Canada and maybe that's what we get is a Canadian summer for everyone. So I think that's getting onto the trans Canada trail network is probably going to be something for everyone. Absolutely. All right. Well, I'll stop recording now and.